1: Tough Blog
0: Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host Anthony Pagnotta with you guys, as always, Josh Marlowe alongside of us, and for the first time this year, a win for Carolina that. Um, Probably has a lot of people feeling really good. I, I won't say the first time. I think that Virginia game at the time, because you were two and one, probably had you feeling pretty good. But it feels like for the first time in a while, you can feel pretty confident in what you saw uh, from Carolina, at least on the offensive side of the ball in this game against number nine Wake Forest. The Tar Heels pull the upset. It's their first win over a top ten team in Keenan Stadium since the two thousand four upset of Miami, where Connor Barth hit the game-winning field goal, Uh, and man, it feels good for Carolina. Unfortunately, not a conference game, (laughs) so it doesn't help Carolina. It doesn't hurt Wake um, in terms of the ACC, but uh, it is a win that gets Carolina into position to definitely make a bowl game which was something that coming down the stretch with the games that Carolina had after the bye week was a question mark as to whether or not Carolina would actually be able to get the job done Uh, but they now get that other win outside of that game against Wofford and now look as if they're going to be headed towards a bowl game and this is uh, a big win as well for Sam Howe we'll talk about that uh, what it means you know at least for his legacy trying to sustain something here in what was the year that has not panned out the way that he was hoping. Um, and, and we'll also talk, of course, about Ty Chandler's Monster Day. Definitely have to touch on the defensive side of the football uh, as well. Uh, we'll do all that when we take a look back at the game recap. We'll hand out the player of the game and we'll also have uh, some closing notes for you, which includes uh, an injury to uh, a longtime Tar Heel starter over the last three years uh, as well as uh, a couple of recruiting notes at the end pertaining to Saturday's game. But as I mentioned, let's get into the win for the Tar Heels over Wake Forest. Uh, this was a game where Carolina was down 45-27 to at one point. Uh, this one looked pretty similar to a lot of the games that we had seen from the Tar Heels this season. Uh, especially, you know, the last couple of weeks where the Tar Heel offense was playing hard. They were doing their part, but the Tar Heel defense wasn't doing exactly what they needed to do. Um At one point, Carolina had allowed 500, around 500 yards of total offense and 45 or, and 48 points, excuse me, uh, to a Wake Forest team um, midway through the third quarter. Uh, Carolina at that point was down by 18 Uh, then they reeled off a 31 to 10 run to close out the game this is the second straight year remember last year they were down 21 and came all the way back and won so this is the second straight year that they have had at least an 18 point deficit against the Demon Deacons and raced back to win Uh, Ty Chandler One of the main reasons why in this game, Uh, he was just tremendous. 213 yards on the ground, four touchdowns on 22 carries, did have a 30-yard reception as well, 117 rushing yards, and three of those rushing touchdowns came in the fourth quarter alone. So we've talked about in the past how Sam Howell has stepped up and played some unbelievable fourth quarters in the first two years of his career. This was Ty Chandler's fourth quarter to shine in this one, and there definitely needs to to be some praise towards Phil Longo for sticking with the run game which was working for the majority of the day but it's easy when you're down by 18 and trailing in a game like that to get a little bit pass happy. He didn't he stuck with that run game and it works out very well uh, for Carolina. Uh, we'll of course get to the box score here in just a second but uh, I mean initial thoughts from you uh, sitting at home after uh, you know it's been a tough season to get a win uh, like this for Carolina uh, it, feels, it, it, it feels big for this team for sure uh,
1: it was it was a good win um, I'll say that is it a great win no um, I don't think this was a great win by any such imagination um, it's not an upset uh, Wake Forest came in underdogs this is a team that was likely to go undefeated and be left out of the college football playoff um, this is not a wasn't a legitimate playoff contender team but For Carolina, they had to find a way to get a win to make it easier to make a bowl game. That was the goal. You had two final games at home because you likely aren't going to win either game on the road because you haven't won a game on the road this year, and they found a way to do it, albeit Jay Bateman and his defense being lifeless for the first three quarters. I thought Ty Chandler was sensational. Um, He has really found his groove within the offense. I think Phil Longo was finally learning how to use him a little bit better. Carolina's gotten... Consistent offensive line play the last couple of weeks, and it, and the thing is, it's not great, but it's consistent. So they've figured out what works, what doesn't work, um, and that's made life easier. Um, Sam Howell was Sam Howell, um, and and those two quarterbacks were a lot of fun to, to watch. That was as good a quarterback matchup we've had all college football season. It definitely delivered. ABC got exactly what they wanted when they put that game on national television at twelve o'clock but it's 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 a chance for carolina to it the win doesn't salvage the season you're, you're you're still disappointed. You've still got a lot of issues. But you got something to potentially build off of these last three weeks mm-hmm. to carry into next year. And that's where they were entering during this game. They had to find something to build on going into next year. Even if they lose Sam Howell and a bunch of other guys, you had to find something to carry some popo- some positive momentum into the offseason. This win gives you a chance to do that. If you follow up with your last two conference games out the road at, at Pitt and at NC State with wins, so um, it was it was good uh, for, for for Carolina. Mac Brown, good for his staff, um, but but we got to keep it in perspective. This isn't a, a season changing win by any stretch of the imagination for the Tar Heels.
0: I mean, it could be if you look at it from the perspective of what you've talked about. I wouldn't say that that would then look at the season as as a success. I mean, again, never really know because. There are still these crazy scenarios where Carolina could make the ACC championship game. And in the ACC Coastal, (laughs) there is nothing that is guaranteed, as we've seen many, many times before. But uh, I definitely feel like this is one, I I think if, if anything, there were many people over the past couple of weeks, saw it a lot last week after the loss to Notre Dame, that really were looking and saying, well, you know, Sam Howe plays really well in that game on the road in South Bend. And this was what we talked about coming into the year was, if anything, you want to leave a legacy here at Carolina. This has been far from the year that he probably imagined. But this is, this is one that he can kind of add to his resume when it comes to Being the greatest quarterback in Carolina history, because remember with last year's win on the road at number ten Miami, this means that he is has quarterbacked two teams that have beaten top ten opponents. Um, One of them was on the road, of course, last year, and then this year gets one done at home as well. And he is uh, that that's the first time in program history that, uh, or first time since 1996. Uh, that Carolina has beaten back-to-back top 10 teams in consecutive seasons. So, you know, this this is the thing. You know, this at least feels like it salvages a little something in this final year for Sam Howell, a year where, you know, he's played his heart out. He is honestly, when you look at the statistics and, you know, look at, how he's adjusted his game which is very very obvious to people that have watched him this year he has basically become a completely different quarterback than what he was the first two years of his career because he basically has no choice it feels like this kind of gives him a little bit of something here especially if he can finish this season out hot uh, and this is one of those games that he can sort of uh th- that that will be You know, remembered for a while with Sam Howell in place.
1: His legacy is going to be a lot to the level of what Taj Boyd did at Clemson. He's not going to be the beneficiary if this program reaches the types of levels it can potentially get to down the road, but you've got to have that guy that gets the ball rolling in the right direction, and that's what he's been for Carolina. The recruiting success would have been, a, even with Mac Brown as the head coach, would have been impossible if Sam Howell was, it wasn't your quarterback. Mm-hmm. And if, if you don't think that's accurate, well, you're wrong. Because um, you got to have a guy that makes it attractive to come play uh, Come play at. Sam Howell did that. He's made Carolina an attractive destination. Recruits want to come play with him, whether they play on offense or even defense. They want to be the type of guys to get stops for him. Hasn't happened a whole lot during his Tar Heel career. But that's going to be his legacy. Um, um, and, you know, look, he's going to have an uneven legacy because you're probably looking at a guy that never made an ACC title game, but he did make a New Year's Six Bowl game. But he has two wins over top ten opponents. So he's got a lot of things that we'll always remember in Chapel Hill. He, he became the all-time purpose-shard leader on Saturday. That was kind of the expectation after his freshman season that he was going to break this record. Um and so it's it's good for him. What's what's going to stink is that um, if he doesn't make an AC title game and he moves on, he won't have that to his ledger. But I I, I I liken him a lot to what Taj Boyd did. Taj Boyd got that program rolling at Clemson, just never got to benefit from making you know a national championship game or a college ball playoff or something like that. Uh, but nonetheless, it's a good start for Carolina and, and Mac Brown 2.0. I really like that comparison, and yeah, it's one of the weirder. Weirder resumes ever
0: because you're talking about a dude that made an Orange Bowl game but never played in an ACC championship game pretty much because he would have played in the ACC championship game last year if it wasn't a COVID year. Carolina would have won the Coastal. Um, and he would have been playing in that ACC championship game, but it is what it is. That's something that, you know, with how crazy last year was, there's just nothing you can do about it. Notre Dame was in the conference, so, uh, you know, he, he still gets that done. And then, as you mentioned, I mean, two wins over uh, top ten opponents. I don't even know the last Tar Heel quarterback that's, that, that accomplished that. Yeah. Um, Because it it couldn't have been in 95 and 96 because Chris Kildorf came in in 96. It's probably never happened. So I I, I would say probably back in the 70s you might have had it. Maybe Charlie jo- – I mean, it's rare. So for him to be able to get the job done uh, multiple times – and look, I mean, was he w- was he the best player on the field in this game? Nope. Probably not. That was probably Ty Chandler. He but, wasn't the best quarterback on the field Saturday, but he didn't have to be. He was still – I mean, he was still phenomenal. And it, when it came to it, he was the guy that made the plays towards the end of the game to win. And, I mean, I think you can make the argument that he was better than Hartman because Hartman turned the ball over twice. And he threw – the second interception that he threw to Cam Kelly was, hor- was horrible, horrible, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, look, let's take a look at the box score real quick before we move on and start talking a little bit more about Chandler and some of these other guys. Howell in this one, 16-26, 216 yards, a touchdown, no uh, No interceptions. Uh, Ty Chandler on the ground, fantastic. 22 carries, 213 yards, four touchdowns. Uh, And as I mentioned, in that fourth quarter was just simply outstanding when Carolina needed him to be. Sam Howell, 21 carries, 104 yards, and two touchdowns. I think he's run for exactly 104 yards in like four games this year. Like that's his number every time he hits that. Uh, But he was tremendous once again with his legs. Scored the first two touchdowns of the game with his legs just running through guys again. And I saw this stat earlier today. I don't know if it's through a certain point in the season or just overall. If it's overall, he's going to break it. Uh, He has forced 52 missed tackles as a quarterback this season. The only guys, I believe it's to this point, at this point in the season, to be ahead of him are Lamar Jackson and Lynn Bowden. And uh, Lynn Bowden is a guy that converted to wide receiver because he was just that too good of an athlete. He was a guy that was a wide receiver, basically playing quarterback. And we all know what Lamar Jackson is and has been doing. So um, that shows you how outstanding
1: tackling is in college football. It, I mean it, it also shows I mean he's he's a hard man to bring down but also you're not going to hit a guy that big and that strong up high and take him down. You got to take his legs out. I mean they've tried to at times and he just he
0: keeps he I tell you he he fights for those extra yardage. Now, he he almost got knocked out of the game by doing that the other day. He Got slammed on his left shoulder and he had to come out for a play. That that was that was scary for sure. Um not because, I mean, it, was, it wasn't it was that he had to come out of the game. I mean, Criswell, we knew he was just going to hand it off and live with whatever the result was on that play. But, yeah, that's one of the scarier moments when you see a dude that's just done that much for you this season go down. But... At this point, I like how, remember like first three weeks of the season we heard, we need Sam to slide, we need Sam to slide. That is completely out the window now. They, We don't need Sam to slide ever. We need him to keep running through guys because he scored multiple touchdowns that way. Um, and, and I think it's amazing, really quick on that, um, a guy that, you know, I've been on the, their podcast a couple of times, uh, ACC content, him and uh, – him and the guy that runs Pipeline. I forget the name. I'm blanking on the name of the podcast Humble right brag, now. by the way. Good um, shot move. But he tweeted me today and said, I don't really understand why this wasn't a bigger part of the offense the last couple of years. And, I mean, I get it. First of all, especially as a freshman, Howell was not as big as he is now. They have put weight on his frame because, well, he simply has been getting his, his – butt handed to him for two years behind that offensive line. Like Even though the offensive line hasn't been as bad as they've been this year for the most part, they've still allowed a lot of hits on them. So, I think that was definitely part of it. And to be honest with you, I think what it was was they simply didn't need to run them. You were more, I mean, you were willing to put it in the hands of Javante Williams and Michael Carter. You had guys on the outside where if you wanted to turn the game into a little bit of an air raid game you could. I don't feel like you've got those options this year. I mean, Ty Chandler's getting it going now. We're seeing with the better blocking in front of him, that's starting to work. But there was a point in this season where if it wasn't Sam Howell on the ground, you weren't moving the football at all. So I think he's, it's just, it's amazing to me, and I'm I'm wanting to try to have some of these draft guys on here soon to ask them, are people starting to realize how much he's had to change his
1: game just to be able to win games for his team. The the biggest issue, and I put this out on Twitter at HTB Josh, go give me a follow. That's shameless. Um, The fact that knowing you had to replace two 1,000-yard running backs, you were bringing in a transfer, but outside of that transfer, you didn't know what you had and the guys behind you. The fact that him running the football wasn't a bigger part of your offense to begin with was kind of idiotic on Phil Longo's part. Um, and if you, if, if they could go back, and and they'll never admit to us in the media because they have to admit they were wrong, but if they could go back to that Virginia Tech game, they would have ran Sam Howell because yeah, our, yeah. Our, our best offense, remember, this is a run-first offense. Well, outside of Ty Chandler in this game and in some other moments, he's been the best running option for Carolina. Well, if you would have started doing this earlier, you've 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 proven that even with a suspect offensive line, literally for the most part one receiving target, when you're running the football, your offense can do just about whatever it wants. To and, be fair, in that game, I'm going to be honest, they, so the that first was the month w- you hindered yourself by not wanting to run him until you you got back from Georgia Tech saying we don't got a choice now. Well, they tried
0: to run him a little bit against Georgia Tech, but bailed on it very quickly, which didn't make any sense. Um, Virginia Tech, I don't know how much it really would have mattered. That was the worst offensive line performance
1: I've seen from a Tar Heel football but team I'm probably from, ever. From a game-planning standpoint, That game could have played out a lot differently had you known – Yeah. We know six to eight times we're going to run him and he's going to get us positive yards. And now we're in second and three as opposed to second and ten or third and eight. Now we're in third and three. Could have been. It's a different ball game with the way your defense played that night. I mean, the other other thing, though,
0: that you wonder was with – I mean, clearly that that whole team was was rattled. You saw it in the game against Georgia Tech. He fumbled the ball three times in that game. Not saying he would have done that, but it, I, that was that's the thing. Is it, maybe it would have been different. I don't really know because I felt like that offensive line was just dominated. He still would have probably been dropped in the backfield multiple times because they couldn't seem to get anything moving. But it would have been interesting. And it, to me, I I wonder going forward. You know, once they start, you know, whoever takes over for Sam, whether it's Jacoby Criswell or Drake May or eventually Tad Hudson, whoever. You know, Drake May's a guy that's got some Jefferson athleticism Boaz. to Jefferson Boaz. Put him. some
1: respect on his name, okay?
0: I hate to say it. I don't think Jefferson's going to be doing much more than standing in front of Phil Longo if he's still a quarterback. My man, I man Kade, Cade look. Fortin might transfer back in, all right?
1: got to have no. all, Cade, options, Cade, Cade Fortin, all options on Cade, the table. Cade
0: Fortin, I think, may need to transfer down to uh, the FCS level or maybe even lower than that. At this rate, he ain't really doing much for a team that probably couldn't beat many FCS teams in South Florida, unfortunately. Um, still love you, though. Still love you, though, Cade. You almost beat you, most you almost beat NC State in that game. You played really well in that one, but uh, yeah, I mean, look, we wouldn't trade that for Sam Al. That's the that th- that is going to be one of the great things to look back on and say to yourself, just to think like. You don't want to think that you're glad that it happened this way, but if Sam Howell doesn't come to Carolina, that means Cade Fortin and Jace Rooter battle it out for that starting quarterback job. What does Carolina's program direction look like then under Mac Brown? Because as you, that's the thing with with Sam. He started everything. That was the first big flip for Mac Brown. Without him, this team is nowhere near. I mean, we're not sitting here talking about a five and four football team and saying. Man, this has been a disappointing year. We're probably sitting there saying, "How the hell is this team five and four? What an unbelievable season!" So, um, but yeah, enough about enough about Sam Howell. We'll keep raving about him as the season goes along, and even once we get into the off season, there's definitely going to be a ton of talk about him. Let's rave about another guy that played extremely well in this game, and that's Ty Chandler. <sighs> Did I, I, at this point, I think you know he was tremendous in this game. I think one of the things that's going to be really frustrating to look back on this season is if he would have gotten better blocking in front of him, more consistent blocking in front of him for the entire season, he could have probably been around the same area as the guys from last year in terms of yards. He probably could have been in that 1,200, 1,300-yard range because... He is, I mean, the, the, he has had two unbelievable games. This game, which I think was his best of the season, no doubt. The game against Virginia was fantastic. And we've even seen it at times throughout the year. And these last three weeks, he's put up some really good performances. He's hit a couple of home run balls. And that's the thing that was kind of lacking just a little bit when you look back at Michael Carter and Javante Williams, especially back in the 2019 season. But, man, I, there, this was... This may have been the best single offensive performance this season from a player was Ty Chandler in this game because he they, they needed every single one of these yards to win this football game and every one of those touchdowns.
1: Yeah, he, he was an animal in that fourth quarter. Um, I was thinking about this on Saturday night. How lucky we are he transferred when he did. Because, remember, Tennessee hadn't hired Josh Heupel yet. And if you look at what Tennessee's offense is doing, he could have had a chance to stay in that offense. And that offense scored 45 points the other night and had the ball for less than 15 minutes. <laughs> that, was, that, that was unreal. So yeah. we got to be really oh, yeah. thankful that he transferred in when he did. Um, and it was just – we knew he was capable of doing that because he had not to that type of level of performances at Tennessee, but he had big-time games with what we believe to be lesser talent in a tougher conference. Mm-hmm. And it, we were waiting, and we were waiting, and you thought the the Virginia game, okay, that's going to break him out. You thought the Duke game, that was going to break him out. It, it, it took to Wake Forest, but Phil Longo maturing as an offensive coordinator, down 18 Still sticking with the run, the same thing they did last year. Remember, they came back. Sam Howell threw for a bunch of yards in that game, but they came back on the strength of them <laughs> running the football. I mean, he threw for five hundred fifty-four in that game. They, so. they they stuck with it again in that fourth quarter. Wake was Wake was dead beat tired. You mm-hmm. had gotten to their second and third stringers due to injuries and all that good stuff, and they had no they had no desire to want to tackle him, and he was running through rookie arm tackles. And Carolina needed him to because the passing game wasn't in sync as it usually was. You leaned on the run. You leaned on Ty Chandler and Sam Howell, a little bit of D.J. Jones here and there to give one of those two guys a breather, but he was a monster. And Carolina needed him to be a monster to have a chance to even win the ball game. As I said,
0: that fourth quarter, he had 117 yards and three touchdowns in that quarter alone. I mean, that's over half of his production on the ground. And, I mean, you could just – you see a guy that looks more confident. He's getting much better blocking in front of him, and that's definitely something we'll talk about a little more here in just a second. But just focusing on him, he's seeing the field better. He's being more patient. But when he hits the hole, he's turning it on. And like I said, he's got – that was one of the things when I watched his highlight tape of Tennessee and then heard Mac Brown talk about him. Mac Brown said, you know, this guy has – unbelievable speed and I remember watching some of those tapes and being like I mean it's good but it's not great but I think that was mostly SEC athletes and he was still younger I you you saw it in this game where he hit the open field and was just able to pull away from guys and he did it multiple times and I I, I mean you he, he just – he didn't look tired at all. They leaned on him, and he was ready to be leaned on in this game. And that's what you want to see from a veteran guy that I think took some time to get adjusted to the system, and we knew that that could happen. But now you're seeing a guy that's comfortable – and, I mean, look, the, the last three games, I mean, he's he's had over 80 yards in, all, in each of the last three. So, again, this one's clearly going to stand out because of just how flawless it was. But he's starting to find the end zone a pretty good amount for Carolina, which is something that they need. And we've talked about it so much. When you can start to run the football like this, this opens everything else up in this offense. Yep. And this passing offense – is still you know, having some, some stops and starts. It's still not flawless. But it really played a big factor in this game to open up some of those passes down the field to guys like Antoine Green, Justin Olsen. You're starting to see some of the tight ends get open because of that play-action effect when you have a guy that's carrying the ball like Ty Chandler is. So when you have him carrying the ball and then you couple that with what Howell's doing out of the backfield... It's just so big, and, and and I think it's great to see him starting to thrive in this offense because I think there were some people that were starting to look at him and say, maybe we just got a stale guy that doesn't fit this offense.
1: I mean, there was definitely a conversation to be had, but there was just a lot of other factors going into it. Um, the fact that he, he committed and transferred in without ever coming to Carolina. He did everything on a virtual, kind of like what Kenneth Walker did at Michigan State. Also committed to a running backs coach that then – Left, left for Alabama, so you know. it was a lot of moving parts. Uh, but I, I remember when, we, when you talked over the summer, and we, of course, we thought this team was going to be competing for an ACC title and all that great stuff. And they're clearly not. But we stressed all summer to get to this point in the season, to be able to run the football. Mm-hmm. Well, now they are. Is it as what we does it look? We does it look like what we thought it was going to look like? No, we didn't envision Sam Howell running like he is having to run the football. Yeah, we, we, we envisioned a two-back system, not one of them being the quarterback. Right, we- exactly. But now you've got Ty Chandler going. The offensive line is more healthy than it's ever been. He's learned how to, to work with those guys up front. The chemistry is there within the offense. And the biggest thing is Phil Longo's maturity with his play calling, leaning on the strength of his team, which is still running the football in a matter of time, place, and score. And that's a big part of it.
0: Yeah, no doubt, no doubt, and and again, you have to hand it to Phil Longo. It was amazing. I was arguing with somebody at halftime that Phil Longo was not calling a good game, that Phil Longo is a big issue and needs to go along with Jay Bateman. He proceeded to come back, win the game by... Doing something that we didn't know if he would be stubborn enough to do, and was named ACC Coordinator of the Week. So again, by the way, why are we giving out Coordinator of the Week? They we give out awards for everything. What what at this point. what are we do? What are we doing? How my thing is how. How do you even come up with that? Where is the voting? Like, is that just
1: journalist vote on? I, I don't, I don't know. We we got better things to vote on this country than coordinators of the week and conferences. But he gets the coordinator of the week.
0: And it, look, if they're going to hand out the award, I think he's definitely that might be the shoddest
1: award in, the, in 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 the award system for sure. Um,
0: look, offensive line has to be discussed. You said it earlier. This unit's not playing outstanding, but they're still doing a lot of things that earlier in the year they weren't able to do, mainly in the run game. They are getting a lot more push up front. It looks like a team that is pulling, pull blocking a lot better, which is allowing their guys to have a ton of success. And I think the tight ends are even blocking a little bit better. We saw Bryson Nesbitt early in the game, uh, and he looked fantastic. He had a couple of really big blocks. I hate to say it, but I think Mac Brown is right on this one. It's not an excuse, but it's a reason why they were struggling. This team was definitely not healthy early in the year. You're starting to see now, with that center position mainly getting healthy, that's allowing this offensive line to settle down a little bit, and at least be able to get some sort of push.
1: Well, what it shows is that Carolina's still got to build depth in that, and within that offensive line position group because you can't enter every year and have one or two injuries and say, well, now we can't function as an offense. And that's where Carolina was at for the, the middle part of the season, it felt like, with the injuries up front. Are they playing great? No. But they're doing enough. They And... and, and After Georgia Tech, we just said, we we need you to be competent, just to be average, and we think the talent around you can suffice. That's been proven true since Georgia Tech, outside of that Florida State game, and that Florida State game was just a debacle for a lot of different reasons. They didn't even really play that bad in that game either, though. I mean... Not to the level
0: of Georgia Tech. Like, they started showing a little bit of... But... Yeah, no.
1: Especially these last two weeks, they've taken. They've they've They've, started to show some good signs. They've given Carolina a chance. Yep. And when you got the quarterback that you got, you've got the wide receiver that you got, and you're being able to run the football with your running back. That's all you need. Are they going to dominate defensive lines? They're not. That's just. That's not. That's not in their DNA. That's not going to happen. But if they hold their own, Carolina's still got enough skill talent around Sam Howell to make it work. And, and, I mean, here's
0: the other thing. They need to be commended because they were struggling against offense or or against defensive lines that were not good the first half of the season. The last two weeks, they played two of the best defensive lines and defensive fronts, I should say, uh, with with, with the more modern take on, on some of these defensive fronts. They play two of the better defensive fronts that they were going to play all season, and they've mm. stepped up. So that's the thing that I think is, is, is most encouraging uh, for that unit, and they have to keep that going moving forward. And as you mentioned, it's allowed some of these other guys to have success, and we're starting to see some of those weapons step up. This was easily Josh Downs' worst game of the season. Uh, four catches, 35 yards. I think Wake did a good job of, of, of holding him in check. He was targeted 10 times, though, and Carolina just, I, I mean, there were a couple times where Sam Howell missed him. Uh, there were a couple times where Josh Downs simply didn't hold on to the football. But uh, Green, uh, or Antoine, Antoine Green, or Antoine Green, excuse me, uh, fantastic in this game again back-to-back really good games for him six catches 83 yards and a touchdown of course caught the 50-50 ball which is something that that they have been asking the receivers to do all year you saw it in this game from him and uh, I think him especially Justin Olsen had a nice catch down the field as well in this game um, that definitely needs to be to, to be shouted out, um, going to the ground, able to hold on to it. Also, what a tremendous throw by Sam Howell to drop that thing in there. was the
1: impressive part of that thing. Um, I could have made. I mean, I mean, I would have made that catch, but that throw, sure. sure.
0: Uh, but Antoine Green, the last two weeks, we we challenged these guys, somebody from this group to step up, and two guys from the group transferred. And Antoine Antoine Green has been the guy that stepped up from this group. And th- this is big for Carolina
1: down the stretch of the season because they needed somebody outside of Josh Downs. The best part about this win, more than anything, was the fact that they overcame the adversity, they overcame the deficit, and Josh Downs had his worst game of the season. If you would have told me When we previewed this game last week, Josh Downs is going to have four catches for 35 yards. I would have told you Carolina loses by three touchdowns, maybe four, because he's your only legitimate threat in the wide receiver game. Is Is Antoine Green going to be a great player? No. But he has become a liable number two option, which you needed coming after the bye week because you knew you were going to be facing opponents, Notre Dame, Wake Forest, I mean, Wake Forest did a a fantastic job. Pitt and NC State that were playing for something more meaningful than what you're playing for, so they were going to game plan to make other guys beat you. And now Sam Howell has confidence. If he throws the ball to Antoine Green, he's going to catch the football. If he throws the ball down the field to Justin Olsen, he's at least going to try to make a catch, and he has the opportunity and the potential to to make a catch. That's what was the most satisfying for this offense was you ran the football down their throat and you were able to make plays in the passing game by guys named Josh Downs, which we didn't think was possible a few weeks ago.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, the tight end still, you know, it seems like there's at least one a game that kind of steps up. Kamari Morales was the guy in this game. Um, And, I mean, nothing spectacular, but three catches for 25 yards and really just that reliable check down threat when he was needed and they needed him a couple of times. So Mm -hmm. that's what you're looking for in this offense. And it's good to see that some of these guys are starting to emerge and that your running back is starting to turn into a guy in the back field that is not on the same level as those two guys that were in the backfield for you last year but occasionally he can have one of those really special games and outside of that he can be a pretty consistent guy that can give you 80 to 100 yards a game let's go over to the other side of the ball here and try to try to figure it out here a little bit Uh, first we're not going to talk about the end of the game just yet we'll we'll wait and talk about that here in a minute. First, got to figure out what exactly is still going wrong with this team. I tweeted out at halftime, and I think it becomes more and more evident every single week. This team reminds me so much of the Larry Fedora-era defenses in the fact that they simply cannot get off of blocks. I think there's talented guys up front, for sure. There are guys that I think, like Miles Murphy – Ray Vlasic, it's just they cannot get off of those blocks. They can get the push, but they can't find a way to get into the backfield. And that once again led to some big plays in this game for Sam Hartman and the Wake Forest offense. Now, again, this is probably the best offense that Carolina will face. The one they face on Thursday nights is really, really good as well. But I think this is probably the best offense overall that they are going to face it's just they have got to be able to find ways to be able to get off these blocks and make tackles because if not, teams are just going to continue to pick them apart in, in, in the open field.
1: Yeah, I'm not to the level to where I, I don't know. if I think Carolina's talent is extremely overrated. That's why it's recruiting rankings and that's why you got to produce when you get on the field. The biggest issue was the, the, the lack of changes in the first half the and and the the inability to be effective, Carolina didn't even try the first three quarters to to make to make a to make a stop. The, their mindset was, we know this game is going to be a shootout, and we're just going to see what our offense can do. Yep. And, yep. That was very very obvious. And then it became apparent in the third fourth quarter. Well, we got a chance to win this thing, but we can only win this thing if we get a couple stops. And look. I don't even know if they made changes. Wake Forest made some mistakes. You got some pressure on Sam Hartman. You 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 disguised him a little bit and confused him a little bit. I thought it was more in those situations where Wake Forest beat themselves more than Carolina beat them. But sometimes you need that to happen. Especially when you are as bad defensively as Carolina is, you need the opponent to beat you. And I thought there was I thought Wake Forest's play calling in the third in the, in the fourth quarter, was reminiscent of the things we complained about from Phil Longa in the last couple of years, where it, it it wasn't good situational play calling. Carolina benefited from. Don't that. Don't give a damn and Don't don't care. The the you know the biggest thing and Mac uh, Mac Brown pointed this out in the post game. They they they. Two field goals they force in the red zone. They give up two touchdowns in the red zone. I suppose those two field goals they lose this ball game. Yep. Because at that point you're giving up 70 points. And, and so that that was a key. Um, it's there, I'm not gonna come in here and, and compliment them. You give up 55 points and fifteen yards. <laughs> you're not good. Jay yeah. Bateman doesn't deserve to be the defensive coordinator at the end of the season. I don't care what they do. Still agree with that. I don't care what they no do doubt. the last three weeks. Um. And and they've they've still got to upgrade the talent um, because they've got some guys that we thought were going to be really, really good. Like I, like Dez Evans, they aren't very good. So you still got to continue to recruit. You got to use the portal because you need more talent to compete defensively. I
0: mean, Des, I I thought Dez Evans in the fourth quarter looked good, and you started there were this a couple man, of reps. This man couldn't sack Sam Hartman. I mean, there were a couple of reps where he was working off of two guys. started. He should be good enough to get moves. off of two guys, though. You started seeing moves from. Well, he's still undersized. Very obvious that he's. Undersized, they're putting them at, with a hand in the dirt, um, and I, I mean, you're knocking a guy that is opposite of Tamon Fox, who might be the most overrated player uh, that Carolina's had on the defensive line. I, I don't, and again, he stepped up and made a couple of plays the other day, but there's just no consistency. That's the problem with the defensive line, and it's 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 something they have not been able to figure out. You do not have a guy that can consistently impact plays. And, and and again, on the defensive line, you're talking about, for, for a consistent impact, you're talking about a guy that a third of the reps, maybe 40% of the reps, is making something happen in the backfield. You, Your defensive line is not a position where you're going to win every single rep. If you are, then you're probably one of the greatest of all time. Carolina hasn't gotten that. I thought Dez Evans looked a little bit better in the fourth quarter, but to me, I think he's one of the guys that it's very evident with. It's a mindset thing. They look so much more confident in that fourth quarter than they've looked at any point this season, probably since that Georgia State game, because they didn't really play bad in that game either. But that's got to be something that you carry every game that you can get the job done. The talent on paper is there. It's now about executing. You guys know how to play the game. It's just like you said. To me, it was very obvious. The first, when Carolina turned the ball over on the first play of the game, which was not a fumble. His knee was down. Still have to hold on to the football for sure. But his knee was clearly down. No idea how that was called a fumble on the field. And I thought stood. it was a fumble. Um, and you're a dumbass. Let's be
1: honest. I thought it was a fumble.
0: Yeah, because you're negative, as always. Hey. You you, know. on, you honestly thought that he fumbled that ball even when they went to the replay.
1: You know how you don't put yourself in that situation? Don't fumble the football. Okay. Well don't 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 make it the don't put the, the, the job in the officiating hands. When the replay shows isn't good. When the replay shows that the knees down. I don't
0: understand how you can say the play stands on the field makes absolutely no sense. The ACC refs continue to suck ass at their job. It's very obvious and it's been and it's and it's both ways. There are plenty of times, I'm going to be honest, the second interception I thought Cayman Rucker was offsides. Oh, there, there was no. But I, no, he, he was offside. They didn't call it, and it is what it is. There were, I mean, it, it goes. Every team has games where the officiating screws them over in the ACC, which is why seen it for years. We have reached so, a
1: point in college football in the NFL, um, especially like with the, the 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 Rucker situation. That should be a challengeable play. They, you've got you we. <sighs> Until until you until you get better
0: officiating, I don't even I don't even want to get into this because you that's gotta, that's a whole conversation. You should be allowed to challenge it, okay? But here's the problem with that: you want to do that, but then you're still going to be that that guy. And I'm with you on this. If you do that, you better plan on four and a half five hours if you're allowed to challenge every no, one of those types of plays.
1: Your challenge is that you are permitted before when the game starts can be used to challenge a a, a penalty or the lack thereof. Here's the thing.
0: If you open that up for challenges, then you're opening that up for official review and they can buzz down and review all those plays then see that's the problem is you're then getting into the micromanaging thing and look which that's that's a whole conversation we're not going to have that here if, if you don't we're going to take way too long if you way want too long micromanage
1: get better officiating I, I mean look I'm
0: with you that's but that's something that's a that's an ACC thing that has to be talked about. we can talk about that and argue about that in the off season, and that probably needs to be a conversation because it's starting to get to the point where year in and year out you're seeing more and more egregious things that go uncalled and 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 look I mean Carolina's been benefited by it at times Carolina's been hurt by it at times I mean there there are historic examples of both and it's for every single team uh, in the league but you know that's the thing is they stepped up in the fourth quarter defensively I, I think the most the thing, it's great to see in the moment. It's awesome. These guys, you saw some guys step up, especially, I mean, for me, and we'll talk about him just a little bit more, uh, you know, here in a second. Storm Duck was a guy that stepped up late and made a couple of big plays for Carolina. You need to see this this effort more consistently. And the most, the most frustrating part of the whole day for me was not even the fact that The defensive line, linebackers, couldn't get off of blocks. The fact that you had two just blatant miscommunications with guys wide open for touchdowns blows my mind. And again, this is where when people want to blame the secondary, and first of all, I saw many people once again, well, this is Dre Bly's fault. You need to learn who coaches what position groups. Stray Bly coaches the corners. Stray Bly doesn't coach the safeties. That's coached by Jay Bateman. And who are the guys that have consistently had miscommunication issues in the middle of the field the last couple of years? The safeties. That was the issue once again in this game, two guys wide open in the middle of the field. And it's just at this point, That just drives me nuts because you need to find consistent safety play. You've got guys that step up and make plays at times. Like Cameron Kelly, he had two interceptions in this game. You would say, well, that's a fantastic game from him. Yeah, he was also involved in both of the plays that went for long touchdowns. You've got to eliminate those big plays right now, and you've got to find consistency in this safety group because this is two years in a row now where you have not had any consistent players back there, and it's frustrating as all get out.
1: Yeah, the defensive backfield coaching staff needs to be overhauled if Carolina wants to take the next step defensively. It starts with Jay Bateman, but it doesn't end there. Dre Bly is not a college-level coordinator or a college-level defensive back coach. He's a great recruiter. And he has a role on this staff, and Carolina needs him to get the talent that they that they need to compete at on this staff. Doesn't need to be coaching the, the cornerbacks. But the lack of communication is mind-blowing. When it's year three, and these guys have been in the system for three years. And it was something that uh, has been exposed. And you knew Wake Force was going to expose it, and they did. The move up to the box didn't really pay dividends because you weren't able to fix your communication. You weren't able to make any adjustments. But it's just something that's mind-blowing. And it's – the the, the thing that I think was the most – that's been the, the most frustrating thing is it hasn't been just against the bad, the good offenses where these, these things have happened. It's been against mediocre offenses like Florida State – Happened in the Georgia State game, too, where you had guys open and they Um, just didn't hit the passes. Carolina's defense single-handedly turned around Miami's season because now their quarterback is throwing for 400 yards left and right. So it's something that it's a trend. Well, I would like to think that NC State had a lot to do with that as well for Tyler Van Dyke, Um, Uh, but still. So it's he's been given a chance to correct it. He hasn't corrected it. At this point, you you ride the season out with Jay Bateman and his defensive staff and his scheme. But when the final horn sounds, whether you go to a bowl game or not, you can't retain this guy because he's proven time and time again – He's not the type of guy that's going to make the right adjustments. And, you know, the first year or two, what was our complaint? It was more about, well, the guys are in position to make the plays. They're just not making the plays. I haven't felt like that this year. I haven't felt like our guys have been put in position to make plays as often as they were the last, really the first year and, and, and some of last year. And when that happens, that's when you know it's time to make a I change. mean, here's the thing. What are you going to do, get
0: rid of every guy on the roster? Like somebody's got to be the sacrificial lamb here and it's probably going to be Bateman. But my thing is, is like some of the mistakes that you're seeing, like I feel like the last couple of years – you haven't seen some of the terrible, ang- not, not this bad of angles that guys are taking to the football at times. And to me, just watching the other day, that wasn't really the main issue. The reason they couldn't tackle guys in space was because they couldn't shed blocks. And that's got to change. That's that's something that every position group, they have to get in the weight room, and that's got to be a focus of the staff, no doubt. But I just I, – I, I still – I mean, there's times where he puts these guys in positions to make plays – But when your guys are consistently taking bad angles, and it's the same type of bad angles over and over again, you start looking at the coaching staff and saying, "Are we not ironing this out in practice? Is somebody not?" not?" That's why it's it's reflective of Bateman. And here's the other thing: I felt like in the first two years, we heard this in press conferences too. Look, these are not Jay's guys, so we're making adjustments to the players. My thing is, I don't care if they are his guys. Some guys that you get, you may eventually realize, hey, they look great at doing this in high school, but they're not as great at doing this at the college level, or they're better at something that we didn't realize in high school because they didn't play this exact position, so we're making adjustments to guys. I don't hear that ever when it comes to this staff this year, it's Which this is the, is the system yep. you do. what. We, this is the system we run and we're not making adjustments that, to it. That doesn't make any sense to me now. Maybe they are, but it does not look like they did in past
1: years. You would see different packages. You would see guys moved around. You don't see that as much this year. What separates the good coaches and the great coaches more than anything, it's not the talent. Great not, visual representation, by the way. It's not the depth. It's being able to make the adjustments you got to make with the talent that yep. you are given and the talent that you've recruited. Carolina ain't doing that defensively. And if they are, well, they're not making the right adjustments, so then you've got to readjust those adjustments that's the problem where it's i think carolina does lack talent but i think it's more of a co- it's it's like what we were with larry fedora and those defenses po- pre gene chizik post gene chizik you weren't even with the the, 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 the deficiency in talent, you weren't putting the guys in the best position to make plays, and the issues that were happening over and over again, tackling in the open field, getting off blocks, angles weren't getting corrected week in, week out – Which is, that's the coach's job. The player's never going to learn to take a better angle if he's not coached to take a better angle. And those are are things that can be fixed. This is not a
0: guy that's just getting beat because he's not fast enough. This isn't a guy that's just getting beat because he is simply not strong enough, can't tackle. Dude, these guys have the weight on them. They're the same size as most of the other players at their position. Like, you don't have – you got veterans at certain positions that just aren't stepping up and making plays but they're they're doing things that it's clear when it happens week in and week out you have to coach it out of them it feels like at some points they're just kind of living with the mistakes and just saying well we're going to try to figure it out you know we're going to if we can't you know if our defense doesn't get a stop, it is what it is. I think that's also been part of it is that the last couple years, well, you know, if we don't come up with a stop here, we always got this dynamic offense that's going to bail us out of it. Well, at times this year, that hasn't been the case, and that can't be what you rely on going forward because there are going to be times where Phil Longo's system is going to get figured out. And if you want to be a team that goes to the ACC championship game consistently, then you've got to be able to have a defense that's, that's – competent and willing to do that and I mean I think the talents here I think it's I think it's in the a lot of the younger guys and I think they're still hesitant to play a lot of the younger guys but look we'll transition into one of these before we talk about Storm Duck here you saw one of the younger guys in this game and I'll be it he I, and I'd have to go back and watch the game more in depth to really break down everything that he did but I thought Power Eccles played pretty damn well when he took over for Jeremiah Gimel in there and it brings up the question and look It's going to be hard to take Jeremiah Gimmel out. I know he's caught a lot of slack this year, but you're talking about a linebacking core that, to be honest with you, that's the unit that should get the least amount of blame because if you're the linebacking core, what really is your job description? Do everything, right? Because you're supposed to be able to blitz, drop into coverage, tackle pretty much every time they run the football because your defensive line ain't getting off blocks to do that. There's so many different things that you're relying on them to do every single play that I mean look, they're gonna be the, the I mean they're the guys that are, are just stuck in the middle of no man's land half the time because they're not they they're not getting the help around them from either one of the units, the one in front of them or the one behind them. But I mean, I thought Power Eccles definitely looked like one of those guys that you kind of sat there and asked yourself, why are we not seeing this guy a little bit more? I mean, he only played three quarters because Jeremiah Gimmel was ejected at the end of the first quarter, which, again, by the way, great job by the ACC refs, was not communicated in the stadium that he was ejected. <laughs> so we, I was wondering midway through, I'm like, did Gimmel just get injured or what? Eventually looked it up at halftime and saw he got ejected and said, "Okay, well that makes sense."
1: Yep, but and it, was I, the, it was the right call. It was it was targeted.
0: But I liked what I saw from Power Eccles stepping up and and, do, and, and f- especially for a true freshman. He looked like a guy that was playing off of instinct, and it was working out for him.
1: Yeah, I mean, he more. I mean, he, he held his own. All things considered, um, I thought at the the time of the ejection, I thought that was the breaking point for Carolina. I thought because his defense wasn't stopping them already, you just lost your heart and soul of your defense. How are you going to respond? They didn't respond all that well. They gave him fifty five points, but he gave you a glimpse of what he can be in the future. And why we're so excited about him and Ra Ra Dilworth anchoring the defense or the the linebacking core in the in the years to come. Well, don't sleep on Cedric. So many people are casting out Cedric Gray here, man. This dude again, I mean,
0: this is what I think it's the fourth or fifth straight game with double digit tackles. Like this guy,
1: but I think, has really stepped it up. I think his production comes back to what you were just talking about. We don't they, they don't have a choice. If 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 Cedric Gray and Jeremiah Gimel don't tackle. This this defense it already isn't stopping people. It's not going to stop people even worse. And so I think it's what what I want to get to with these guys is we'll never see the best version of them until you're winning up front. And then they can do what this defense de- yep. is designed for them to do. They're putting up great numbers, which is great. But someone's got to tackle. Yeah, so, that's some, that's, that's the issue. Someone's got to be there. I want to see those numbers when the de- when the defensive line is wrecking havoc up front, when they're, when they're being able to do what this defense can allow your talent to do at that linebacking position. Then I'll come in here and be like, hell yeah, they played great. But you know with the linebacking core the potential's there. You've yeah. just got to get the other aspects of your defense to get in sync with them, and then you can really see this defense take a step.
0: Yeah, the other guy that a lot of people were talking about, and rightfully so, was Storm Duck. Uh, This was the first time that he had played in a game uh, and actually played the entire game in almost two years. Remember, he played in the game against Virginia earlier this year but only played 29 snaps, clearly wasn't 100% healthy, and then had missed time since that game. So, I mean, look, this was huge for Carolina to get him on the field. Again... Not a flawless performance, but this team definitely looked a little bit different on the outside. Most of the production from this game came from the guys on the inside. That, And I think at this point, if you can get this guy to stay healthy and the other big thing is finding somebody behind him that is consistent, then you will be, I think, in pretty good shape. But I think that Storm Duck, it showed on Saturday, he – well, he is a big part of this Carolina secondary, and if he's out there, the, the this corner tandem is, is a very legit one for sure.
1: Yeah, there's no – there's no d- d- denying that he made a difference, and you could just, you could feel the defense breathe a sigh of relief when he entered the field. Uh, was he was he perfect? No, um, I, I I thought he got away with a pi on the eventual fourth down that effectively uh, ended the ball game for the for the Carolina. No, not but, even close. to You P. know, um, he he gives you a chance, and. With him and, you know, you got Grimes and all those other guys out there. Without him, your your defensive secondary was Grimes, Joukarius Conley, and a bunch of guys that you were hoping were going to make plays. Well, you know with Storm Duck he's going to make plays. Like, you know that. He, I mean, this is the thing. Like, Carolina the last, what,
0: three or four weeks for sure, maybe even a little bit further back, once, once they lost the depth at the position – mainly once they lost DeAndre Hollins and they knew Storm Duck was going to be out for a while. This team in man coverage was not that great. Tony Grimes was fine. Tony Grimes can handle being in man coverage. He's gra- he's a little grabby at times. Yes. That happens. But you like to see the aggressiveness from him. The other side, Kyler McMichael's not a man cover corner. He- he's he's just not a guy that can handle the 50-50 balls. He's there he's in coverage. A po- he's
1: not a power five corner.
0: But – he just can't make the plays. And Don Chapman is just not I mean, look, you gotta commend Don Chapman for being flexible, especially when Kyler McMichael, you know, end, ends up being out. I, I mean, I don't think he played a single snap in the game against Notre Dame, meaning that you needed Don Chapman to step up and play almost every single snap, if not every single snap, on the outside. So you gotta hand that to him. But that's another guy that you can just look and see. Those two guys, him and Kyler McMichael, I mean, they can hold their own for a few plays. Those are not guys that you need being matched up on the outside, play in and play out. It's very obvious that Storm Duck and Tony Grimes are the two guys right now on the outside that give you the best chance to win. And that's fine. I mean, you've got to find those starting guys. The thing is, is you've got to be Storm Ducks. Got to be able to stay healthy. And I know it's not all on him. He's got to get a little bit of luck here and there for sure. Um, but you're just hoping that holds out because it showed multiple times in this game that when he's in there, this defense is definitely a lot better with him. Yep. And uh, you know, I I I think. Just as a whole, I just the biggest thing defensively is you've got to see that effort moving forward. We saw some of the young guys. We saw some of the guys that hadn't been out there in a while. Some of the new life brought into this defense definitely helped this unit out. You need to see them take a step forward. But I'm with you. I'm still right now at this point, I don't see any way that Jay Bateman can come back because you're talking about even though – you won the game and you stepped up in the fourth quarter, this was still your worst defensive performance of the season. So it just keeps getting worse and worse as you go along.
1: The defensive staff isn't going to is going to be in need of an overhaul.
0: Yeah, this. I mean, look, we're going to have to talk about it at the end of the season, but I... I <laughs> I didn't think I'd be there this quick with him. I, I've got questions about Tim Cross, man.
1: I, I, Matt I just has do. to keep Dre Bly and Thigpen on the staff or the recruiting aspect. I'm not with you on Dre Bly. I think the outside co- – I, I, He's I, not a college I think coach. He's,
0: you, you've, Tony Grimes has looked pretty damn good for the most part. I mean, especially coming in as a freshman. He did the same thing with Storm Duck. I think he's got to get guys that are healthy – and I think the other thing is, is you've got to have these guys, and I think you're going to see it over the next couple of years, that are going to step up and, and and be these guys that can handle being, man, you need man cover corners. That That's what this team needs, because there is no doubt in my mind, even if they get a new system in place, they have, they are going to have to blitz to get pressure on the quarterback. That, that's just, that is going to be part of this unit, at least for the next few years, because I still think that there are some things that have to be worked out. There are some, th- some stunts and stuff like that that are going to have to be implemented, and those are going to take time. You need those man cover corners. Tony Grimes is a man cover corner. He can handle that. Storm Duck, man, cor- man cover corner, can handle it. Kyler McMichael, no, that wasn't a guy you recruited there either. That was a guy that transferred in. He hasn't really panned out. Don Chapman was a safety. That guy moved to corner. That's not a guy – I mean, he got moved there midseason too. So it's really tough to be that critical of him. I thought also before he got injured, I thought he had turned DeAndre Hollins into a solid corner on the outside too. I'm not saying great, but I thought he was a guy that could handle himself. So I'm not there with Dre Bly. I, I think that he's, he's still done some really good things. Um, I'm not a hundred percent, so I'm not the guy that thinks he should be the defensive coordinator. My I've God, seen people that have said that. Negative.
1: He he never should call a defense ever.
0: But I definitely think that he's he, he's he's shown me some things that still leave me somewhat confident. Not there with Thigpen either. I think the biggest ones that you're talking about right now are what are you doing with Tim Cross, and and at this point. To me, there's no question what you're doing with Jay Bateman. Like I, I just I can't get into a mind space at this point of we need to try to bring him back.
1: I, I I can't I can't see it. If if Mac Brown brings back Jay Bateman, that tells you all you need to know. That's that's it. You you gotta be willing to make tough decisions. You've got another buddy that that will come coach for you and Will Muschamp. So well, we hope, we hope. Yeah, you, you got to be willing to make those tough decisions. Even if not, I mean, come on. This this is a defense
0: right now that is, I mean, it's it's definitely one of the worst three defenses. I, I don't. I'm going to be honest. I don't know if it's if it's worse than Wake Forest's defense. Now the only thing is Wake Forest has created turnovers this year consistently. But you saw when that team doesn't create turnovers, what they look like. I just – there is no way in, in in my mind with what you're seeing that you can say to yourself, we need to run this back another year. Like, I think – I mean, look, Jay Bateman did some good things here his first couple of seasons. There were definitely times where there were promise, and you should have felt like there were promise because this was a defense that had moments where they stepped up and made plays. For the most part, you got to hand it to them. The biggest issue that Carolina had before then under Larry Fedora, they could never, ever stop the run. Carolina stopped the run the last two years. They got a lot better at that. But there are a lot of flaws with this defense that if you want to be a team that can win the ACC Coastal, not even win the ACC, which was where you were wanting to be at starting next year, maybe even this year. You have you, you you simply have to have a much better defense. You probably have to be somewhere near where my bold prediction was at the start of the year to win the ACC. I mean, at least are we are we at least in agreement? You've got to be top fifty defense. What? Come on,
1: like I think, I think we've got to readjust the expectations moving forward. Where eight and four, nine and three next year is going to be looked at as a positive thing. If that's gonna no happen, doubt, and that should get you to the ACC championship game. And if 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 that's if if that's the goal is to go eight and four, nine and three, make a bowl game, you still got to be top sixty, top seventy five in the in the country defensively. No doubt. No doubt. You're not doubt. even in the same stratosphere. It, as especially that. without Sam Howell. Like here's the thing: if
0: Sam Howell leaves at the end of the season, which is looking more and more like it's going to happen. How are you looking at what Jay Bateman's defense is doing right now, and saying, "Well, we're working in a new quarterback. We trust that this defense can win us games." I I don't. You got to have somebody that can help you do that. And and right now, that's just not Jay Bateman. But it is what we're we're going to be talking about that all the way through the end of the season. And there is no doubt that if this lasts into the first couple of days after the year, there will probably be multiple podcasts and articles on that subject. Um. So we'll come back uh, and we'll take a look at our player of the game. But first, got a message uh, from DraftKings for you guys. Uh, Make sure you head over to that website and check it out. Back to the Heel Tough blog podcast right after this. We'll be back to the Heel Tough blog podcast after this message from DraftKings. NFL fans hungry for a big win this weekend, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official betting partner of the NFL, has you covered. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game. And if they do, you win $200 in free bets. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TPPN. Bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and win $200 in free bet. If they win, you win with the promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. An official betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana or Pennsylvania only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call one 800 gambler Hey guys, welcome back into the Heel Tough Vlog podcast. Anthony Pegnata, Josh Marlowe with you. Let's take a look. Player of the game, very obvious here. Ty Chandler, 22 carries, 213 yards, four touchdowns. Had the one catch for uh, for 30 yards, 243 overall yards uh, on 23 carries. Uh, Just a tremendous game from him and uh, stepped up when Carolina needed him to. Last year, it was Sam Howell in this game that just went off when Carolina needed him to in a game where they needed their offense to be flawless. Same thing in this game. uh, And against a team in Wake Forest that was better than the one that they even faced last year, and he does it again.
1: Yeah. Um, I didn't know you were going to finish up that quickly. Yeah, I mean, look, that, that might have been outside of Sam Howell the best individual performance we've seen this year. Um, the, I mean, up there with some of the performances Josh Downs has given you this season, <laughs> which at times were pretty spectacular and, and record-breaking. Uh, Carolina doesn't win that football game without Ty Chandler in that fourth quarter. That's that's point, plain, and that's, that's pretty much fact. Interested to see how he builds up for this performance and see if he can carry this momentum heading into Pitt on a short week. And look, Pitt, you know,
0: not not playing the best football that they have this year, but still a really, really good football team. Caroline is going to have to come prepared. And as you mentioned, it is on a short week, so it'll be interesting to see how both teams handle that uh, in this one. Didn't touch on it, but uh, not – I mean, we're, we're, we're running low on time here. Field storming. Good, job.
1: Good no. job. they deserve to storm the field. That, that was huge win be the biggest. That was the biggest embarrassment I've ever seen in my life. We should never storm the field when beating Wake Forest. It is the football
0: program. There is no. This is not the basketball program. One, I agree. Basketball one,
1: program should never storm. One tenth of your wins as a program have come against Wake Forest. Doesn't matter. You, the expectation. Wake Forest could be. Undefeated, ranked number one in the country, the expectation is to beat them, and
0: yet who was the t- who was the guy that picked them to lose by double digits on this podcast?
1: That doesn't mean it uh, justifies them storming the field.
0: This is the num This is a top ten ranked team. The first win in seventeen years at home over a top ten ranked team. They deserve to storm the field. It's an upset. I don't. You were favored
1: to win the game, which not is an stupid. Upset.
0: That makes absolutely hey, no sense. Vegas what? knew
1: wasn't an upset.
0: I don't give a damn. Vegas. First of all, Vegas morons. I, I don't understand how a line comes in like that for a team that was four and four. But hey, if you bet on it, congratulations. You were smart. Uh, don't give a damn at all about. Uh, the Vegas line that doesn't mean anything to me. It's about the number that's next to the name that justifies whether you storm a field Didn't or not. did the FPI
1: have Carolina beating Wake Forest? Which again, every makes metric no sense. Carolina
0: was going to beat them. Unbelievably flawed. That's uh, the FPI. Unbelievably flawed. Which me so that means that you look at Wake Forest as a middle of the road ACC team. That's that's what the FPI says. We were
1: all in agreement. Wake Forest could go undefeated and not make the college football playoff. It doesn't it doesn't matter. It First of like all, this was a that, of a, for, that of a, would not have happened if they would have won the other
0: day with the way that some of the teams at the top of the country are playing. They probably have a path to make the college football playoff. It, it would not be easy, but they could have an opportunity right. and Clemson starting to win again. That team's. Probably going to get ranked. I would not be shocked if that team is ranked in this next iteration of the polls. Had we beat Clemson,
1: Sam Howell's freshman year, absolutely, you stormed the field. You put Miami's game last year in Chapel Hill with fans. You stormed the field. How? That was a game that a lot of people thought Carolina could win. How is that not a ten, better upset than top this? Top 10 team, historic program. Wake Forest is nothing. It doesn't matter. This it doesn't one. matter the history of the program. So if Wake Forest finishes 8-4 and four, or 9-3 because they play – I forget who they play this week. Um, it's Duke. So they're going to beat Duke. But let's say they no, lose to no, State. No, they play State this week. Wake Forest plays State this week. I already played Duke. That's right. Okay. So let's say they finish 9-3. and three. At that point, they're probably going to be ranked outside the top twenty-five. We're still going to be sitting here thinking, man. No, no, at man, nine and three, that team a, is still going to be ranked. What a, what a great, what a great
0: job! Yeah, because that team was undefeated at that time and had destroyed every team that they have played. They had played pretty much outside of. They the had to go Syrac- to
1: overtime to beat Syracuse. They beat Louisville in a game-winning field goal. Get out of here. It doesn't matter. They went. They gave up 56 still, to Army. Still ranked in
0: the top 10 and seen by most people as right around the same range as Oklahoma
1: in the college football playoff. Man, if if we're sitting here thinking that is Mac, what is. Mac Brown beating Wake Forest is a monumental win for Mac Brown 2.0. That, that says all it says about the football program. I mean, with the struggles that they've had this season, it's a
0: big win. It is – I mean, it's not a program-defining win. That shouldn't be one that you hang up there on the wall or, God forbid, like That's App what State, you storm the field for is program-defining win. Then you would never storm the field in any sport. Would never happen. What, what? – Game so far this year is a program defining win none that you of stormed them. the field for. They should have won they should have won the game. No, I'm saying anywhere in the country you tell me a game that is that is program defining, worthy of a monument, worthy of anything. There's none. I mean Purdue's beating top two th- two top three teams in their backyard. <laughs> Not good enough, right? I mean, Michigan State could finish the season 8-4. and four. That's not a great upset, right? Good God. It's not a great upset. That's not a good football team. Apparently, that's a team that could finish middle of the conference. They could be outside of the top 25 at the end of it. I, I mean, I don't see how that's a great
1: upset. Good. <laughs> good
0: God. Iowa, that team that team is now – did they win the other day yes. or did they lose to Northwestern? They won. That team is ranked 22nd and can't score more than 10 points in most games that they play. Not a good football team. Shouldn't have stormed the field.
1: Good Lord. Texas a and ah, I mean, Alabama almost the- lost to LSU. Shouldn't have stormed the field. If, if I was an Aggie fan, which, like, that's my third favorite college football team, so there is some Aggie in me, I would have been embarrassed. You don't storm the field. You're Texas A&M. You just beat one of the
0: most historic programs to go off of what you are defining it as. You just beat one of the most historic You've beaten programs them before though. With Zach Calzada, who nearly lost to
1: Colorado. You've beaten Alabama. Turned your before. season
0: completely around.
1: You've won national championships. You've played in New Year's six bowl games. You've been a relevant college football program for sixty years. Yeah. Well, then here's the thing. You should just
0: watch SEC football where they find guy where, where they find fans for storming the field. Because
1: at this point, nothing's going to meet your criteria for storming the field. It's just that simple. Clemson, top ten, Miami at home, like you did in 04, a top ten, 10- a team that, by the way, absolutely
0: stunk. In Nor- in that that Toriel team was not good. There was no reason to storm the field for that win then because what was the what was that achievement for you your team didn't make a bowl game that year you weren't good so you shouldn't have stormed the field
1: it got it gave John Bunning another year
0: and, at the and time, you're saying that's justifying storm the field you should have been you, honestly you should have been devastated that that happened John Bunning look did a lot of good things at linebacker when he was a part of Carolina was not a great head coach for Carolina so I don't know did to me this meets the criteria of being able to storm a field when you upset a top 10 team. You, I mean, you're always going to be critical of these types of things because you're a man that's got the mindset of most 50-year-olds.
1: You're miserable about most things. There was just... So it is what it is. You've got a Hall of Fame head coach who you think is going to take you to the promised land of college football and you're storming the field after beating Wake Forest. Okay. Who's ranked number nine in the country and was undefeated. And a lot of people thought
0: would run the table and not make the college football playoff. So apparently, if you don't make the college football playoff, not a good team.
1: If you're Baylor, the committee first nev- year of the playoff. The terrible, committee's not never good. left an undefeated Power Five champion out of it. The consensus was Wake Forest was going to be the first team. And yes. that that would I'm going to tell you that would not have happened. The way that those teams
0: played at the top of the country this week, if they would have won, that team would be in the top 6 this week. No doubt in my mind. And if they beat state, they would be probably 5th, maybe even 4th. They would have probably been in because they are going to put the power con- My thing is it probably would have come down to them or to Cincinnati and they would have put them in because they are in a Power 5 conference
1: which would have been the wrong decision cuz Cincinnati's win at Notre Dame will be better than any win that Wake Forest would have had if they went undefeated and, and and won the ACC.
0: Well, Cincinnati almost lost to Tulsa this week who was 3 and 5 at home. So I mean, it is what it is. All these none of these let's make it clear. Every team in college football this year is mediocre. Or above average
1: Except except for Georgia
0: Georgia. Every other team is going to get Absolutely killed If they play Georgia It's just that simple Um, So let's move on Closing notes Uh, Don Chapman, as we mentioned, we mentioned him earlier. He is out for the season. That was uh, that was revealed prior to the game. So Carolina now, hopefully, that means Storm Duck's going to be able to come back and be able to play in that role for the rest of the year with him returning the other day. That now means Carolina's pretty much down to Tony Grimes, Storm Duck and Kyler McMichael on the outside. Obi Igbuna haven't really seen much of him. Same thing with Dante Balfour. So it looks like those are the three guys Carolina's pretty much riding with for the rest of the season. Tar Heels, uh, the Keenan legend the other day was Bruce Carter. Uh, Wanted to say congratulations to him. He got engaged to uh, his now fiance on the field. It took her a little bit. She was a little bit shocked by the fact that he was proposing on the field. She almost didn't make the TV timeout giving him the yes but congratulations to him. Uh, Of course a great Tar Heel linebacker during the Butch Davis era um, and now uh, retired from the NFL after a pretty lengthy career. Bounced around through a few Teams, but had some nice success. Came back and uh, had that great moment uh, at Keenan Stadium on Saturday, and then two two, two Tar Heel, uh re- big time recruits that were in attendance for this game, both in the 2023 class. He had four-star inside, uh, four star inside four four star interior offensive lineman Joshua Miller from the state of Virginia. He's been visiting a bunch of schools here recently, um, and five star cornerback A.J. Harris. Both guys seemed very very excited. By what they saw there were articles written uh, I know for uh, Inside Carolina about both of their visits to campus and a lot of buzz around uh, both of those guys mainly around AJ Harris who I've seen people you know use the quote blown away um Definitely some guys that really, really enjoy the environment. So uh, definitely a a big, big big-time weekend for Carolina to get those guys on campus, especially Harris, who has set his commitment date for early in January. And I believe just from reading some of the things that were said and how it was phrased, This was the last trip that he is taking this season to a game before that decision. So that is huge. Carolina may have gotten the last at bat in this one, and that would be massive if Carolina could land another five-star commit and especially another five-star commit on the outside at corner. That would just be tremendous for Carolina and to go into the state of Alabama where Carolina's recruiting a couple of guys out of that state and are in pretty good standing another guy you'll need to keep an eye on four star defensive lineman Tamarion Parker out of that state as well Carolina's doing some damage down there and if they could land that commitment that would be humongous for the Tar Heels so both of those guys worth monitoring over the next couple of weeks that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast make sure you head over to the website read the recap from the game against Wake Forest. Uh, We'll also have that stock report up there for you guys to check out. So all that great stuff. And it's a quick turnaround week. So we are going right into preparation for the game against Pittsburgh. Uh, We are going to have a a live edition of the podcast uh, for the preview on Wednesday night. So we don't have to worry about you know, going home with the video, downloading it, adding all that other stuff. We'll have all that stuff live for you guys on Wednesday night uh, to get you ready for that game against Pittsburgh the next uh, night on Thursday night. That is going to be a 7:30 kick ESPN um, and our preview will be up. Team breakdowns, team stack comparisons, injury reports, uh, projected starting lineups, keys to the game, all that great stuff will be there for you guys to get you ready for that one and then of course we'll round you out with that recap and stock report for that week all the way through to the end of the season as the Tar Heels hit the final three weeks of the regular season. I cannot believe how fast this season has gone by already. Um, but we'll have you covered on that front. Also, worth noting, still you know nine days away, but keep it in the back of your mind here, do have Antone Green uh, getting ready. Uh, no, I'm blanking now. That's Is that the name? I believe that's the name that I'm looking for there, uh, who's getting ready to commit out of the state of Virginia. So definitely worth uh, keeping an eye on the website for all that great stuff. Andre Green Jr., excuse me, I'm getting these names mixed up here. Uh, Andre Green Jr. getting ready to commit out of the state uh, of Virginia. Carolina trying to get another one of the top prospects out of that state. That is, uh, of course, as we told you last week, been announced for November 17th. Carolina, Georgia, and Clemson, the 2 the three teams on the table. And then Carolina hoping to round this class out with a bang. Uh, there's nobody else that's really guaranteed outside of that to make their decision or flip their commitment before then. So this is really the one major target that the Tar-heels still have on the board before that early signing period. We'll have you covered, preview of that, as well as a recap but on the podcast. Cast side of things will definitely have uh, a breakdown of wherever he commits and how it affects Carolina not sure if we'll be able to get to that preview um, we'll have to see whether or not we can work the schedules uh, for both me and Zach Hubbard um, but uh, we'll have you guys covered on all of those fronts on the website basketball getting cranked up uh, the night of the game uh, we will uh, definitely have you covered uh, with the Loyola game into the Brown game, all the way throughout the rest of the season. Carolina, two games in the opening week after, of course, the exhibition the other night. So make sure that you guys uh, go and check out all that great content. Josh has it covered with that. Also, right before the season, even early in the season, you could still read it. He's got the previews of the front court, of the back court, all that great stuff, and it will be carrying you throughout. What is it going to be an exciting season? I think this team could you know, definitely still have their ups and downs in their first year under a new head coach. But he's a guy that seems very, very determined to win, especially after his press conference today uh, and some of the comments that he made. So it's uh, it's very exciting. And Carolina gets that started on Tuesday night against Loyola of Maryland. Make sure you check out both podcasts over uh, wherever you check out your podcast, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, any of those. Make sure you subscribe whenever you check it out. And then on social media you go to the Facebook page at Heel Tough Blog on Facebook that'll give you the audio editions of the podcast all the articles and of course the video editions of the podcast which you are watching right now uh, we appreciate you guys keep leaving those comments for us uh, and if you're in one of the groups make sure that you are liking the page and following it so that it goes right onto your timeline you'll get the notifications when we have videos going up all that great stuff so you don't miss any of this tremendous content for you uh and, and then of course over on Twitter, it's at Blog on Twitter, at HTB Anthony for me, at HTB Josh for him, and at Zubber 2 for our recruiting analyst, Zach Hubbard. So that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast. Want to thank Josh for hosting with me. I wanna thank you guys for watching and listening, and as always, go tar heels.